So Genesis 37.1. This is where we're going to start. We're pretty much done with Jacob. We're done with Abraham and Isaac. We're going to Joseph. Genesis 37.1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now, where we ended off last time, we ended off with God telling Joseph, or Jacob, I'm going to give you this land. I gave it to your father. I gave it to your, your, uh, his father. Now I'm giving it to you. Jacob, do you want it? Jacob says, yes, I want it. I want to be your servant. And Jacob is now dwelling in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. They didn't know Abraham. He was not from there. The land was given to Jacob by God. He is not a lord. He is not master of the land. He is merely a resident in the land right now. It was given to him by God, but he has not established himself in the land as of yet. Genesis 37, 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Joseph is 17 years old. His mother has died. And because of this, Jacob, his mother is dead, Jacob is with the maids of Rachel and Leah, not with Leah's children. He's with Bilhah and Zilpah and their children, not with Leah. Now their children, Bilhah and Zilpah's children, are Dan, Gad, Asher, and Naphtali, and these are the ones that Joseph is hanging out with. Yet it says he brings an evil report of their behavior to his father. Now what that report is, what action or inaction, we don't know. We don't know what caused this bad report. All we know is Joseph tattled on the boys. Whether they were boys being boys, whether they were being malicious or mean, we don't know. Genesis 37.3 Now Israel, being Jacob, Israel, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. That's an indictment right there. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They had nothing nice to say to him. He's the stepbrother, young, naive, all the other kids, and remember, some of these kids are 20 years older than Joseph. Some of them are 20 years. Reuben and, and Simeon and Levi, they were born 10, 12, 14, 20 years ahead of Joseph. I, don't, I, I, don't, I didn't narrow down the exact. I know 14, 15 years was some of the age differences. They hated Joseph because their father loved him more than all the rest combined. He is his mother's son, a reminder to his father of Rachel. And Jacob loved Rachel very much. And this is the last link we see between Rachel and Jacob. All too often we see this, this, this account here, almost as a modern-day Cinderella, except Joseph is about to make it even worse here in just a second. Genesis 37, 5. Joseph dreamed a dream. Nothing wrong with dreaming a dream, except he told it his brethren. 
and they hated him yet the more. He's just putting fire on top of fire, let me tell you. He said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. So they're all doing the same job. They're all working together in the fields. But by binding the sheaf, meaning they gathered up a bunch of grass, the big, and they tied it all together, making a sheaf. And his stayed upright, but their sheaves bowed down to him. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? They caught what it meant almost immediately. Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. He should have kept his mouth closed. They hated Joseph for his dreams. They hated Joseph for his father and his father, or for his favor in his father's eyes. And they hated Joseph for any other uh, reason they could possibly think of to justify their actions. They hated Joseph. Joseph, for his part, he had a certain naivety, for he didn't quite understand why they hated him. And then he made it even worse by telling them of the dream. Genesis 37, 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. So now he has a dream. His dad and his brothers are going to bow down to him. Well, what's quite interesting is Jacob is quite rich. He has been given the land that he is in by God. No man is ever going to consider the fact that he might have to bow down to his son. Most men won't because they taught their sons everything they know. So now, Jacob rebuked his son for speaking out loud about this. Rebuked his son for speaking to his father like this. So two things happened here. His brothers envied him. So now he was 17 at the start of this. So they have envied him for a couple of years, probably since he was born. We, we weren't given a def definitive time frame on that. So they have envied him now for a couple of years, but Jacob took the same and he observed it, meaning he wrapped it up, he put it away, and he's going to think on this. He's going to remember this. Jacob, remember, Jacob is the younger of the twins, Jacob and Esau. It's Esau first and then Jacob. Jacob is the younger of the twins, yet he has the upper hand. He was given dominion over the elder, so Jacob understands that these things can happen. So he's taking that, he's putting it away in his pocket, and he's going to pull it out at a later date and think about it. But the brothers, they envied Joseph. They hated Joseph. Genesis 37, 12. And his brother went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? 
Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. So the brothers, they go off to feed the flock in Shechem. Shechem is about uh, 60 miles from where they're at right now. So he comes to Joseph and he says, Don't your brothers feed the flock in Shechem? He's not telling Joseph what they're doing. He's getting to a point. And J Joseph says yes. And he says, Okay, I'm going to send you to them to check and see how they are. And Joseph, for his part, ever the dutiful son, here I am. I'm gone. I'll do it. Jacob is about to send him alone through a dangerous land. Now, how do I get that it might be a dangerous land? Well, when they bring the coat of Joseph back to his father after they say he died, Jacob falls for it wholeheartedly. So it must be a dangerous land because he wasn't shocked. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't suspicious. So it must be a dangerous land. He's sending Joseph off on this trip alone. So Genesis 37, 14. And he said to him, Jacob talking to Joseph, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Now, it's 60 miles, so this trip is going to be about six days, give or take, to get there. Six days, give or take, to get back. A day or two there, so we're looking at uh, two, two, two and a half weeks turnaround time. So he is to go, make sure everything is well with the flock, and bring word again back to Jacob. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he, Joseph, came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. So he found a good Samaritan who sent him in the right, pointed him in the right direction. Joseph is found wandering a field looking for his brothers. A man points him in the right direction. This made me think that perhaps Joseph was a tad sheltered, a tad unready for the task his father had given him. Yet he's doing what his father asked him to do because he's a faithful, dutiful son. Now we're getting to the part where everybody is aware. Genesis 37, 18. And when they saw him afar off, his brethren, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. When they saw him afar off, they knew it was him. From afar off, they knew it was him. Why? Because of the coat of many colors. The very symbol of their hatred for Joseph showed them who was coming. They're talking amongst themselves. They're ready to kill him. Some of his, of his brothers are ready to slay the lad, for he is an innocent, sheltered fool who dreams dreams and doesn't know enough to keep his mouth shut. He claims they're going to bow down to him with his dreams. And these men, because that's what they are, he's 17, all the rest of them are much older. These men are ready to kill this boy. None of us would ever consider that in our rashness, would we? When daddy's favorite comes along while we're working our butts off. You remember when you were a kid? You were working your butt off and all of a sudden the spoiled little one comes out and 
doing nothing, wearing a coat to show dad's favor, or eating an ice cream that you can't have because you still got work to do. I don't know if any of you ever remembered that. I mean, I never thought to kill my brother and sister, but still, I mean, you know. So in the short time they have from when they see him until he gets to where they are, they come up with a plan and a course of action to rid themselves of the dreamer. Genesis 37, 21. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben stood up for the boy. Not all the way up, but he stood up. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Reuben is trying to have his cake and eat it too. No, no, guys, don't touch him, don't hurt him. We'll put him in this pit, and he's planning on going back later, getting him and sending him back to his father. Reuben, the oldest, intervenes, and he does save Joseph's life. Yet they cast him into a pit. So even under Reuben's protection, it's not a good time for Joseph. Perhaps Reuben is thinking that if Joseph gets put into this pit and has to sacrifice a little, he might grow up a little bit when this happens. That it's a good lesson for the boy to see that the world is not all love, joy, and peace. So Reuben might be intervening while still wanting to teach Joseph a lesson. It came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. No food, no water, he's in a pit, they took his coat, it's underground so he's probably cold, it's not a pleasant time. They put him into a pit that is in the wilderness, there is no water. They have a captive, their brother, and he is in a pit with no coat, no food, no water, and no idea what's going on. Genesis 37, 25. And they sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites come from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sail, sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brother, his brethren were content. So Judah is going to speak up. Judah wants to sell him and make some money instead of just killing him and getting no profit out of him. So Judah and Reuben, they don't want blood on their hands. Reuben's trying to protect him and send him back to his dad. Judah doesn't want to kill his flesh. He's trying to get a little money out of it and send him on his way. Reuben, at this point, is probably closer to 20 years older than Joseph. So if Joseph is 17, 18, 19, that means Reuben is almost 40. He was the firstborn of Leah, Leah Reuben was. He is the oldest. It falls on him to protect the family. Judah, the fourth oldest son, again, all of Leda, it was, uh, hang on, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, I believe, from Leah, the first four children. 
So Reuben's the oldest. It falls on him to protect the family. Judah, the fourth oldest, he just wants to get rid of the lad. He just wants the money. He, he, he's a little, little conspirer here. So then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Interesting note, Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. So in 1900 years, inflation only rose 10%, or 10 points. It's not bad. So Reuben, who was not here when this happened, Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Reuben was still trying to walk a fine line and get Joseph back to his dad. Where was Reuben at this time of the sale? I don't know. He may have been out in the fields. He may have had to run into town. I don't know. We are not told where he was, but he was not there to protect Joseph. And Joseph is now gone and sold, and there is not a thing Reuben could do. It was a legal transaction. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? Meaning, where am I going to go look for him? What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's coat, they killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. So they're saying, Dad, we're not sure if this is his coat. Can you identify it? After they have dipped it in blood, after they have sold their brother, they're trying to cover their tracks. They cover their lie with a coat dipped in blood. They have sold their brother. They've kept the money. And the loss, the deal to their father is immeasurable because they're young and stupid and they don't think about how it's going to affect anybody else. Genesis 37, 33. And he knew it, Jacob, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. Jacob is devastated. His son, the link he had between him and Rachel is gone. Now don't get me wrong, Benjamin is alive, Benjamin's a toddler. Benjamin doesn't quite look like his mother. Benjamin doesn't remind him of, doesn't remind Jacob of Rachel the way Joseph did because he was there while Joseph was growing. Him and Rachel holding hands watching the boy grow. Him and Rachel with the memories. Him and Rachel, uh, Rachel really looking through the face of Joseph. Benjamin is still a babe at this point. He doesn't have that link for she died in the childbearing process with Benjamin. Jacob is inconsolable for his son, the firstborn of Rachel. His love is no more. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Father says, I'm going to mourn for him all of my days. The Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. Yet, as we know, Joseph is not dead. 
just in preparation for the role he was born for. After all, God saw what was coming ahead and he had a plan. No matter what else happens, no matter where you go, just like Joseph, remember, you are in God's hands. Just because you don't understand does not mean God doesn't. Joseph is actually in for the trip of a lifetime. It is a God-ordained trip, as we see at the end. So as I'm reading through this part right here, I had a question going through my head. All through the rest of the Bible, the prophecies, and in the New Testament, it's trumpeted that Christ is of the, 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 the lion of the tribe of Judah, a mighty tribe. But Judah's the one who sold his brother out. How could Christ's trumpet coming from a line like that? I saw a little consternation. In reading the account, later on, Judah not only redeems himself, but as what I can say is only in remorse, he stands to protect Benjamin no matter what it might cost him personally. He stands to protect his father from hurt and more devastation. Puts his own life on the line. No matter what it's going to cost, he's not going to let his father go through that again. Judah learned from his mistake. And due to circumstances, Judah is also the one that gets the patriarchal blessing. Not Reuben, the oldest. Not Simeon. Not Levi. Judah. Reuben. Reuben was the ladies' man. Reuben lusted after his father's concubine wife. One of the women that served Rachel and Leah, Reuben lusted after. Bilhah. And that placed him completely out of favor. In fact, Reuben had nothing but lady troubles <laughs> for most of his life. Simeon and Levi, the next two in line, they acted wrongly, out of vengeance. It was, uh, some people might call it justified, but what they did was so wrong, took them right out of contention. They were no longer allowed to be in line for the birthright. Thus it fell to Judah, who must have thoroughly changed from the events we just read. Because after this, I'm guessing just like Judas, he has remorse. He has regret for his actions. The money did not possibly cover the price he paid. As we go through the account of Joseph, Jacob's life was changed. Benjamin's life was changed. Judah's life was changed. Joseph was not the only life changed for the better. Even more lives are going to be affected by this young man and his testimony, his faithfulness, his honesty, his courage, his mental acuity. We can only hope that at the end of our days, we will have the same testimony that Joseph had. 